Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Come on, let's give them some praise tonight. Come on, come on, who came to worship? Who came to praise? Come on, as much as you can give me. The Bible says to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We are living in one of the most dark moments in human history. But there is a remnant of believers in this nation that say we don't care what's happening in the world. We're going to give God a praise. We're going to give God a shout from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There is no room in America for apathetic pansy Christians. There is no room in America for quiet, calm Christians. Now it's a moment for us to raise our voice, to shout unto God. If I could get some lows and mids, thank you so much. You could take your seats. I want to challenge you tonight to be excited. All I need is a couple people. I already know I'm going to be preaching right here because these are the ones that are going to shout me down and be crazy. But I don't just want to preach to four or five. What would happen tonight if we said, every person. It's not just going to be four or five of us that are excited about God, that are passionate about God, that are desperate about God. But what would happen to every one of us said there is a city at stake. The praise that I'm giving tonight, it's not just about me, but it's about the drug addicts in Stevens Point. It's about the homosexuals in Stevens Point. It's about the Pharisees in Stevens Point. It's about those that are depending upon you to praise, depending upon you to shout. Am I at the right church? Let me just make sure that it says Awakening 715 and not the Sleeping 715. There is lives at stake. It's not just about you and about me. What would happen if you believed that your praise invokes the armies of God? What would happen if, come on, help me with this mic. If you believe that your shout mattered, that your worship mattered, that your excitement mattered. Oh, well, brother, we're in Wisconsin, and we're, you know, we're Caucasian, I am too, and we're just not that loud and that exciting. Really? Two words, Green Bay. When it comes time for the football game and for the things that we like and the things that we love, some of you grown men in this room, you have no problem shouting. You have no problem worshiping. You have no problem being excited. Some of you barely got saved, used to party. You had no problem dropping on the keg. Oh, some of y'all, oh, I've been raising. Come on, don't don't fake it with me. Some of you need to re- you. Some of you, you know, the best thing could happen is you remember where God brought you from. Some of you might need to just backslide for a couple days, so you could remember the depression that He brought you out of. You could remember the addiction. That am I preaching to anybody that He brought you out of? You could remember the anger that He brought you out of. I'm so glad that He didn't leave me in the pit that. 
that he found me, but he brought me out. That's the reason why we're loud. There comes a place where you say, I don't care what my neighbor thinks about me. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I'm going to praise different. Why? Because I don't want the same results. We have an American church that comes to church but doesn't have an encounter. Praise God, brother. You haven't had an encounter before. Some of you came tonight, you're not even expecting an encounter. And there's other you, you came tonight, and you're at the edge of your seat. Here's why. Not because of a preacher from California. Not because of some music from California. Not because of a worship team. But as I was listening even to the worship, I walked in. I was going, God, your presence is so strong. Do they even know that we are right there? That there was a man named Jesus that died to give you access into the presence of God. The God-man living in inside you. You have the ability there was a price paid so that you could worship. Don't sit and stare at me and say it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. What he did on the cross. He bankrupt heaven so that I'm about to backflip off the stage so that you could praise and worship. And you think Stevens Point wants to follow you when you're a boring Christian? You think Stevens Point wants to be awakened when you're dead asleep in the church? Don't praise, don't shout, don't get excited, don't give, don't fast, don't tithe. Still sleeping around, still drinking around. Oh, brother, God's in a good mood in his grace. You know, some of you, here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me on the way over here. We were driving. I wasn't asking for a word. I wasn't even thinking about what I was going to preach. The Holy Spirit said, for some of them tonight, they have ran out of blood. And I said, what do you mean, Holy Spirit? I was, I was talking to God in the car. I didn't, he just dropped it on me. And you know me, I've been here for five years. I don't ever say, oh, God just spoke to me. I, I very rarely say that he said, some of them in that room tonight. Do you know why, Isaiah, you need to preach like it's the last night you'll ever preach? There is a countdown I'm staring at right now for how long I'm supposed to preach. Now I know they don't care what time I go. I understand all that. But I look at that countdown and I go, if that was how long I had to tell you, and it was my last time ever preaching, if the world, because apparently tomorrow the world's ending. I didn't know if you knew this, but this is our last service we're ever going to be in if you didn't read the Facebook post. Praise, or I'm being sarcastic, but everyone says the world, then I thought, begin to think about what if the world was actually ending? There are many of you in this room that have ran out of the blood. You know what that means? It means you come to church and you come to the altar, yet you still sleep around. You still drink. You still smoke. You still party. You still think it's okay to live in apathy and compromise and complacency. And the Bible says this, if you go on continuing in the same sin, you go to get the blood and there's no longer any blood left. The grace of... Uh, Holy Ghost. The grace of God is not so you can keep living your life how you want. The grace of God, help me with this mic please. The grace of God is to deliver you, thank you, from the bondage of the devil. And I don't know about you tonight, but I want to get delivered from the sin in my life. I want to get delivered from the compromise. What should those 
who keep going back to the same sin. The Bible says, thank you, just keep it up. Thank you so much. What should they do with those that keep going back? The Bible says that they will not get the forgiveness of God. They will not get the grace of God, but they can only expect to receive the fiery judgment of God. Friend, I don't have time to sugarcoat this. I don't have an hour to beat around the bush and get you excited and get you to feel good about your life and your best life now. Friend, there is a message right now in America, a perverted gospel that says fornication is okay, that says adultery is okay, that says compromise is okay, that says you could not tithe and still be a Christian. You don't even have to go to church anymore because we are the church. Wrong. The Bible says do not forsake then therefore the assembling together of the brethren like many have and many more will as the end comes. There is a perverted gospel that is going out and the American church is buying into a counterfeit gospel. Why? It's the same reason why some of you ladies have counterfeit purses and counterfeit designer clothing. It is a cheaper version. The problem is the quality is different and I want the expensive version. I want the real gospel. I want to pay a price. We are living in the most urgent moment of human history and some of you haven't changed the way you're living. Is the world ending? Absolutely. Are we in the last days? Absolutely. Now, you might say and argue eschatology and theology and entomology and all these other random ologies that nobody even really knows truly what they mean. But here's the bottom line at the end of the day. It might not be the last days. Is it biblically? Yes, it is. But let's just pretend it's not. But it might be your last days. See, here's the deal, friend. Every breath you take is a countdown to the end of your life. Some of you might not even make it till tomorrow. Some of you might not. Oh, preacher boy. Oh, don't tell me nothing. Three months ago, I was preaching the same type of thing. And I had a friend I was sitting in the back and two weeks after, three weeks after I preached a message talking about the urgency, talking about you might stand before God in the next month. Three weeks later, he went off a 200 foot drop on a freeway, 22 years old and crashed to his death. Here's, here's the thing. When he sat there and heard me preaching, he didn't know that he had three weeks left to live before that car accident. Just three weeks ago, we had a young girl that was came to our ministry that used to be a part of our ministry and we, got, we found out Saturday by a family family member that her cousin shot her in the head and she was just at our service two weeks prior the enemy listen wants to steal he wants to kill he wants to destroy and Jesus says but I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly we're not preaching religion we're not preaching routine we are preaching a gospel that says I could heal sickness I could raise the dead I could cast out devils I could deliver you I could save you and if we're not telling our friends and family the urgency of the hour then we're accountable for their death Ezekiel 33 he said Ezekiel here's the word he says you're a watchman when you see the enemy coming he said I want you to begin to warn the people I want you to begin to tell the people of judgment I want you to begin to tell the people the enemy is coming that we are running out of time he said Ezekiel they're probably not going to listen he said if they don't respond don't worry it's not your job to make them respond it's your job to tell them he said but if you don't tell them the urgency if you don't tell them that the enemy is coming if you don't tell them the hour that we live in he said and those people died 
died, then their blood is on your hands. Friend, do you understand that there is blood on our hands? Because we have not given America what God has given us. He's given us the power to heal. He's given us the power to cast out demons. He's given us the power to raise the dead. He's given us the power to make disciples, not make excuses, not make people comfortable. The Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. When you hear the Word, you're not supposed to feel better about your sinful life. See, some of you are clapping. Thank you. Some of you were clapping and excited and shouting and all that until I started talking about fornication and pornography and addiction and homosexuality and drinking and partying and smoking. Well, brother, don't wow, brother, me nothing. Friend, listen, we don't have time to go back and forth with the things of this world. We don't have time to go back and forth with sin. Friend, there is a trumpet blowing. There is an alarm sounding. The fact that we're doing this event right now is very strategic. This was the exact time last year we did this event, friend. And think about all that has changed in the last year. Right now, record-breaking earthquakes. Can anyone agree with me? I can't even keep up with all the signs that are happening. There was an earthquake today, uh, three hours ago in California, right off the coast, two earthquakes, right where we live in, off into the coast of Northern California. And they're saying now, well, we're expecting an earthquake, maybe in San Francisco, maybe in San Diego. And we're looking at earthquakes and hurricanes. What are they? They are the world preaching to the church. What did God do? God would send a priest, which would be a pastor. They would ignore him. So God would send a king, which would be a president or a politician and the people ignore him so God's last resort he said I'm going to send in the prophets and the prophets would walk into cities and the entire city would get on their face why because they knew that preceding the prophetic voice was the judgment of God friend the American church has ignored the prophetic voice of the prophets the voice calling us out of sin the voice calling us out of pornography the voice calling us out of compromise the voice calling us out of addiction we have ignored it God says I've sent them and you have ignored them and some of you tonight are going to ignore me and you know that one day you're going to stand before God naked by yourself on judgment day and God's going to read past all of your excuses he's going to read past I don't know this is why I didn't praise this is why and it's all going to be foolish because the Bible says many will see into the kingdom of God but themselves be cast out friend I refuse to get before God one day and this is a living reality and look into the gates of heaven and see somebody else wearing my crown see somebody else that answered the call because here is the bottom line some of you think that if you don't answer the call then God's not going to be able to move in this church God's not going to be able to move in this city God's not going to be able to move in America here's the deal God can find someone just like you even better God will find a replacement so here's the reality I have to make a choice whether I'm going to be involved or not I have to make a choice whether I want to get on board or not I have to make a choice whether I want to read the signs the wonders and realize that yes the earthquakes the hurricanes when they ignored the prophet God would send calamity and it was the way the world would preach to the God's people it says for the earth groans and labor pains for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed here's what what does the earthquakes mean here's what they mean they mean wake up American church stop playing games stop going through the motions on the 21st what did we see Hurricane Harvey on the 25th the uh, I'm sorry on the 21st 
What did we see? We saw that lunar eclipse that took place. That was a prophetic sign. Then we saw Hurricane Harvey on the 25th. Then on the 26th, we started seeing the floods. Let me get my phone. Let me read you this so I can read it word for word. So what is that? That's 21. What is that? 21, 25, and 26. 25th was the hurricane. 26th was the flooding. 21st was the lunar eclipse. That's just three things. Are you ready for this? Let us look at Luke 21, 25 through 28. And we're going to talk 26, obviously. It says this. And there will be strange signs, lunar eclipse. Y'all, are you tracking with me? There will be strange signs. This is straight out of your Bible. And the sun and the moon and the stars. And here on the earth, the nations will be in turmoil, North Korea, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides, hurricanes. And people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then we will see the Son of Man coming out of a cloud with power and great glory. So when you see these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Friend, this is in the word of God. The signs are clear. Wake up, refuge church. Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion on my holy mountain. Do you have to yell, yes? You know why? Patty kick Christianity is not going to wake you up. Tickle me, Elmo gospel is not going to wake you up. The disciples came to Jesus and goes, what is it going to look like in the last days? Pre- I got a whole bunch of more times to preach to you, so I'm going to just go quick. But they said, what is it going to look like in the last days? They said, what will the world look like? What are, what, what are, what's going to happen? And Jesus in the book of Matthew is on the Mount Olives. He says, as in the days of Noah, he said, so will the second coming of the Son of Man be. What was the days of Noah characterized by? It was extreme violence. It was a love for the people grown cold. It was a, a people that had forgotten about God. And if you don't think the American church and America has forgotten about God, then turn on Christian television. Every song is about me. See, here's the scary thing. Let me just explain something to you about the way that we do church. We do church. Now, I'm not here to bash the church. I'm not here to talk bad about the way we do service. We do service just like this. We have a stage. We have a worship team. We have me as the preacher. We do offerings. So I'm not here saying, oh, we're doing it wrong. But let me explain something about the American church and a massive disconnect and problem When you walk through those doors, you're going to see a stage in any church in America. And you're going to see people on the stage with lights on them, with smoke on them, with fog on them. And they're going to be looking at you performing. And so what happens is subconsciously you're sitting back looking up people on a stage and not only do you begin to idolize the people on the stage but you begin to think and to understand that we're here to perform for you that we're here to serve you that our audience is you that the people we're catering to and got to make comfortable is you here's the problem this audience is not you it will never be you and we're not just here for you we are here for an audience of one we are here to worship God God, not you. We are here to praise God, not you. And if I be lifted up, then I will draw all men unto me. This whole thing is not about you. It's about God. That's why you don't want to give any money, but you want to get blessed at the altar. Why? It's about me. 
What could God do for me? How could God make my life better? How could God bless my family? How could God help this? And how could God heal me? And how could God deliver me? And how could the pastor do this for me? And the pastor's not doing this, and I need this. How we've raised up a generation of nursery, grown adult Christian babies that need their diaper changed, that need us to breastfeed them and make them a bottle and pat them when they're crying and go through their issues with them and clean up after them. But God says that I'm not trying to raise up a bunch of nursery baby Christians that are afraid of everything everything that cry about everything uh, they are making messes all over waiting for us to clean up uh, but I'm raising up a warrior type of people uh, that understand that there's a battle in the spiritual realm uh, that there is real darkness that was the days of Noah there was gross darkness covering the earth uh, there was great wars happening great dis- great calamities great earthquakes uh, and Jesus looks at them and says it'll be the same way uh, people will no longer love each other uh, friend we are living in one of the most violent days in human history I was on Facebook a couple weeks ago and there was a mom whose son was randomly murdered. They tried to steal from this kid on the, ro- on the road. I think he was 19 years old. And this young man walked up to him, robbed him, and then stabbed them to death. And they're sitting in court and the young man who stabbed them to death was laughing at the mom in the courtroom. She's sitting there going, my son crying to the judge. And the judge said, in my 40 plus years of being a judge, I have never seen somebody laugh and be so sick and so disturbed. And these are the type of people that are walking the streets of America, extreme violence, uh, levels of darkness. And here's the sad part. Uh, the devil's not out having fellowship latte time. Uh, the devil's not out being lukewarm. Uh, let me just explain something. The devil is not casual about destroying you, uh, even though you're casual about destroying him. Uh, the devil is not halfway in like you're halfway in. Uh, The devil's not complacent like we're complacent. Uh, The devil's not sitting back on his hands doing nothing. Uh, He is out there day in and day out as a roaring lion, uh, prowling around, and I believe that we have to stop uh, waiting for him to bring the fight to us uh, and do what Jesus said to do uh, and take the fight to him. Uh, I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell uh, won't prevail. Uh, I want to be a part of a real church. Uh, I want to be a part of an army that takes the fight. Why? Because I'm awake and aware of the need. Jesus said, if you're my follower, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize in the Holy Ghost, baptize in water. He names 10 different things. And guess what? We do none of those things, yet somehow we've convinced ourselves in America because there is a counterfeit, cheap imitation gospel that was not made by God but was made out of the very depths of hell. Paul talked about it. He said if anyone comes and brings another gospel, if they bring a gospel of convenience, if they bring a gospel of ease, it is not God. It is the devil. Let a curse. Even if it's an angel, let a curse fall upon him. From there is only one gospel and just because we are not living the standards of that gospel it does not mean that God is going to change the standard just because you think it's okay to drink God is not going to change the standard just because you think it's okay to fornicate because you're going to marry her God does not change the standard just because you think it's okay to watch pornography God does not change the standard just because you think you don't have to give 10% and you're right you're supposed to be giving 100% to God then we change the standard but 
God is not going to change his word to cater to your flesh. You're going to have to change your flesh to cater to his word. Somebody help me preach tonight. Y'all are getting quiet. He said, as in the days of Noah, he said, there will be many false prophets that will arise. Now, many times when we talk about concerning false prophets, we think someone's going to show up in a trench coat and try to to start a commune and start in a cult. That's not what a false prophet is. Do you know what a false prophet is? It's a person preaching the right thing at the wrong time. It's someone that in a moment of urgency, in a moment of national unrest, in a moment of complete calamity and depravity, in our ecology and our economy, we are getting up here and preaching a soft gospel. We are telling the people everything's going to be fine. Live your best life now. And the Bible says that in these times, many will come up and try to um, make your flesh feel better about what's going on. Friend, there should be an urgency about us where we say, wait a minute, we are living in the day of the Lord. We cannot keep going on the same. The way that I praise has to change. The way that I shout has to change. The way that I live, come on, help me out, has to change. The way that I act has to change. I can't keep living the same when the signs are changing. Some of you, I have, let me just say this. I'm trying to be nice, Bishop. I have not seen you in a year, and you have not grown at all in the last year. You still don't, you still don't get excited. You still haven't. Now, there's many of you that have, many of you that have, but there's others that God is targeting right now, saying, what is it going to take? Is it going to take a car accident for you to wake up? Why is it that God has to allow bad things to happen to your life for you to get back to that place of prayer, for you to get back to that place of worship? I don't know why God allowed this. I'll tell you why, because you're apathetic and lukewarm, and he allowed the calamity to bring you closer to him. Do you know how many people are going to begin to flood the church and already are because of all the signs of the times? It is now the moment for the church to be ready and say, if we're living in the days of Noah, see, the days got so evil, got so bad that the Bible says that God regretted making man. I don't ever want God to regret anointing me. I don't ever want God to regret saving me. See, the Bible says that God regretted anointing Saul. When you live and compromise and think it's okay, God actually regrets even anointing you. But I want to say, God, I want you to be proud. I don't want you to have regrets. I don't want to live my life for the American dream. See, Jesus said in those days, a man will be on the porch not even come inside but will get taken away in other words he's not going to have time to prepare for the second coming he goes the man's outside working in the field and never will come back home why I have to be ready right now as if God was going to come back in 10 minutes as if God was going to come back in 60 seconds. And some of you have lost the fear of the Lord. You want to know why? Because we got so afraid of the old school preaching. What was the old school preaching? Is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Do you want to be in the movies when Jesus comes back? Do you want to be watching that when Jesus? And, and we make fun of that now and go, oh, that's legalism. No, it's not. You know what it's called? It's called the fear of the Lord. We have lost the fear of the Lord in the American church. But the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to get the fear of the Lord in the younger generation. We need to get back 
back to the place where we actually tremble at the presence of God, where we actually have a fear. It says, as in the days, it was so wicked that God literally had to change the lifespan to 120 years from the average lifespan. We looked it up today. For a male in America, is 76 years. If you're a female, it's 82 years. Understand that you have been given a small window of time that you're going to stand before God one day and he's going to say your life was a small test. How did you fulfill that test? You're either going to pass that test or you're going to fail that test. And some will stand before him and say, I prophesied. I did signs and wonders and miracles. And he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. Here's the thing. I have to be ready right now with my bags packed that if the trumpet sounds and the Lord returns, that my heart is ready, that my life is ready, that there's no secret sin that I'm taking with me. Bible says, and there was none righteous on the earth but one man. Here's what you have to understand. God only needs one person. We go to large churches. We go to small churches. I've been in places. We've traveled. Me and Nino have one time went across the entire country. And I think there was like 11 people and the pastors and half of them were the pastor's family. And I'm sitting there preaching. And you know what? I didn't get up here and preach and go, okay, well, you know. <laughs> There's only 11 people, so I really wasted my time flying across the country, leaving my family. So, you know, I'm not, let's just pray or something, because I'm not going to waste my time preaching to 11 people. I'm Isaiah Salivar. Didn't you see me on Facebook and YouTube? I'm, I didn't do that. You know what I did? I preached as it was of the last time I was ever preaching for three days straight. You want to know why? Because I understand this principle. You know what the principle's called? That God never picks the majority. He always picks the minority. That if one person tonight would stand up and say, I'm going after this thing for real. I stood here a year ago and watched this man at the altar saying God here I am send me and Ben has changed countless lives since why I only need one if one person could get this tonight everything will change if one person would wake up and open up their eyes and hear the trumpet and respond God says one righteous could change a thousand unrighteous one person. God says, I'm going to save, or not save, but watch, give humanity an opportunity to be saved. See, here's the scary part. God's not going to force himself on you. God's not. You know what, friend? God is here tonight saying, if you want it, you can have it. If you don't want it too bad, then go live for yourself. God is not sitting here going, oh, if you want to follow me, I'll make it easier. In fact, Jesus never asked people, oh, come follow me, I'll make it easy. Jesus made it hard so that only true people would follow him because he knew that I'm not going to give people a false security of salvation. I'm not going to give them a cheap gospel and convince them. There is nothing worse. Oh, I'm trying to be nice. I'm going to close my eyes right here. There is nothing worse than thinking you're saved and sitting in church and not responding to salvation, not responding to the anointing, not responding to the presence because you have a thing called false security because I think that because I have a form of godliness then I'm saved but Paul says Timothy in the last days they will have a form of godliness but they will deny the very power that could make them like God. I am done denying the power. I'm done sitting back like it's no big deal. Now some of you, I don't have glasses on, so I can't really see who you are, but you're just casual tonight. No urgency, no big deal. 
Just some crazy skinny white kid up there shouting, screaming, dead, yelling half Italian, half Hispanic. He talks fast, yells loud. How do you know he's Isaiah Salvador? He's always like that. He's this no friend. You know why I'm doing this? Because I know that you're not going to be like that on judgment day. When you're standing in line and the Bible says, and the sheep and the goats will be together and God will come and he'll separate those. And you start seeing that there's a separation happening and you realize that you might not be the sheep that you thought you were just because you made the sounds that a sheep makes, just because you taped on some sheep with wool over, it doesn't change the fact that you're still a goat. And you're not going to be sitting there like, oh, crazy preacher. You're going to say, I wish somebody would have had the gut and would have had the boldness to tell me the truth. I wish somebody would have offended me into righteousness. I wish somebody, I'm not going to be casual on judgment day. So I'm not going to be casual tonight. I'm not going to be apathetic on judgment day. God came to Noah and said, Noah, here's what I want you to do. He said, Noah, you're the only one blameless. You're the only one righteous. You're living in the days where everyone's in sin. There's corruption everywhere. Where I regret making men, where sin was rampant. The Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord could not tolerate it any longer. From there is a time where God says, 80 million plus babies have been murdered in America since 1973. There is more pornography right now that is coming out of just Hollywood alone than all of the world combined. The enemy has literally vomited upon our generation and this has become a portal of hell to infect, to pornify, and to sexualize an entire generation. And we are coming to that place where God says enough is enough. Why all this earthquakes? And listen, it's not like one earthquake and then six months. Like, that's how it used to be. Another earthquake, and then we recover six months. Another storm, six months. Friend, it's, it's, I'm talking, the news isn't long enough to display, to display all that. Now, 3.6 million people are in Puerto Rico right now with no power. They announced today for four to six months. I'm talking about hurricanes and devastation that are destroying continents of people that are taking out tribes, that are taking out indigenous people we know nothing about. And it's all happening at once. Why? And here's what I hear the Lord saying. Because enough is enough. I don't know how much longer I could tolerate the corruption. I could tolerate the darkness. If this is not moving you tonight, then you need someone to wake you up and you need to get saved because the church is supposed to be sober in these days. Enough is enough. Tonight, some of you need to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm done having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You know the problem? You know the problem with having one foot in the world and one foot in the church, like some of you are doing like this? You're a terrible sinner because you know the truth. So you still go out and party and drink and sleep around, but you feel terrible after. Gosh, I know the truth. I know about demons. I know about angels. I've had friends tell me they come get radically saved and they go back to drinking, smoking, drugs, partying. I had one guy tell me, dude, I've, I've drank five bottles, couldn't get drunk. I smoked ten, ten blunts, couldn't get high. I was seeing demons and angels at the party. I said, here's why. Because your eyes were already open to the spiritual realm. And once God opens up your eyes, you can't close your eyes. And so now you have one foot in the world, but you're a terrible sinner because you know the truth. And then you have one foot in the church and you're a terrible Christian because you're living in sin. So... So here's what happens. You're miserable at church. 
Because there's no power, no conviction, no anointing on your life because you're dabbling in darkness and the Holy Spirit does not like dwelling with that which is unholy. And then you're in the world trying to get your Mac on. No one wants to talk to you. Everybody thinks you're weird. Why? Because last month you're inviting them to church and this week you're inviting them to a rave. So they're confused and you're just terrible. So just do me a favor. Just come to church all the way. Just choose a side. Just get involved. You're not good at sinning anyways. You ever met those people that were just terrible sinners? You're just like, you shouldn't even be at the party. Just go back to church. You're sitting there trying to take a shot. You don't even know how to hold the little shot glass. You're sitting there trying to shotgun a beer, spraying all over you. And people are going, didn't you go to, wait a minute, you're Ben. Weren't you just six months ago inviting us to refuge? Why are you at the frat party now? Why are you, see here's why. We're depending on you to get us out of this. You are God's military and that, that college that's right down the street over here, guess what? All those party kids that are outside right now playing beer pong in their front yard on a Friday night, you know what they're depending on? They're not depending on Budweiser. They're not depending on Smirnoff. They're not depending on Four Loco. They're not depending on Mary Jane. You know what they're depending on? They're depending on you being here tonight and getting the answer inside of you and going back to that college. All of the world was depending upon Noah. What if Noah was apathetic like you? You. Noah's, you know what? I don't really feel like building an ark. So you're telling me that all the people of humanity are going to die because you're too lazy to put the effort in? See, here's what people don't realize. God told Noah to build an ark. It took Noah 100 years, and Noah didn't have any tools. He didn't have any lumber. He didn't have any manual. What happens when you get a word from God, but you don't have the tools that you need to fulfill the word? You don't have the resources that you, resources you need to fulfill the word? Do you know what you do? You just rely on God and say, you know what? We might not have it all together. We might not know how it's going to happen in Stephen's point, but we have a word from God five years ago that there would be an awakening 7-1 five that would break into the city and we're not relying on the tools we're not relying on our resources we are relying on the word from God refuge church do you remember the word do you remember what God has spoken then it doesn't matter what the enemy's doing build an ark and here's what now I'm just going to go ahead and say a cuss word here so if you have a camera on just pause it here Facebook live pause it it actually took work. That's the cuss word, work. It took work. Oh, brother, brother, brother. It's not about works. It's about grace. Tell Noah that. I would love to see Noah do what we do in the church. Get a huge pile of lumber, sit there, and pray over it. Oh, God, just put your grace on this. It's not about works. God goes, Noah, you're going to have to actually hammer that and actually put. No, 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 God. It isn't about works, God. It's all about grace. It's all about love. It's all about soaking. In the Go lay by the wood and soak. Guess what? The ark doesn't get built. Here's why. Because in order to build what God's called us to build, you're actually going to have to show up in the morning and help stack chairs. You're actually going to have to stay late. You're actually going to, I know it sounds crazy, go out and hand out flyers. Go out and share your faith. Go out. Why? Because the ark isn't going to build itself. Refuge Church is the ark that God has raised up in the last days to build be a refuge.
refuge for the storms of persecution and the trials that are happening in this nation. Noah's building preaching and everyone thinks Noah's crazy. Why? It's never rained before. Duh. But Noah's going to do a new thing. Noah's God says, Noah, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something I've never done before. Friend, we are living in the hour where God says, yes, maybe the preaching's a little louder than you like it. Maybe the worship's a little darker than you like it. Maybe the lights aren't as bright as you like them. Maybe it's not the way you like it, but guess what? Here's the deal. I'm about to do something new in the earth. I'm about to build something new in the earth, and it's going to save massive amounts of people. It was a hundred years. And guess what Noah's doing? Preaching the judgment of God. Getting up there every, every Sunday. Here's Noah. Great. Guest speaker Noah's here. And Noah's getting up there going, all right, guys, I got a message for you. And they're all going, we've already heard it a hundred times for a hundred years. There's a flood coming. And everyone's in the back of the church, kind of like some of you are doing tonight, laughing. There's Noah again. What's he preaching about? The flood. What's a flood? Oh, apparently a bunch of water is going to come out of the sky. Oh, no, everybody knows water doesn't come out of the sky. Everybody knows water comes out of the ground. This guy has it backwards. This guy has the message twisted. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's the problem that God took one man, put a word in his mouth, and God said, it doesn't matter if you don't respond. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do with or without you. And he's preaching judgment. And guess what? Everyone's laughing. But guess what? You could laugh all you want. Here's the reality. That the scriptures are already written. That the story's already written. That there is real judgment coming. That Billy Graham's wife said if God doesn't judge America he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah from there is judgment coming and you have a choice tonight to either get in the ark or to stay out and try to swim your way through the storm eight people were saved why because God said Noah I'm going to confirm my covenant with you by saving your family I don't know about you tonight but I'm not just going to get in the ark alone I'm bringing my entire family with me well they don't want God. It don't matter. I'm bringing him in the ark. God promised me that my marriage was going to be saved, that my kids were going to be saved, that my aunt was going to be saved, that my uncles are going to be saved. And if it takes a hundred years for eight people to get saved, I'm almost done. Just stay with me. Is it worth it? Can you imagine this? Noah's preaching a hundred years. Eight people. Think about this ministry. A hundred year ministry. I've only been preaching for It'll be seven years in January. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, this many thousand, whatever. But we've reached a lot of people. Let me just say that. I praise God. It's all God, all glory to God. We already know that. I'm not going to be false humble. God is all glorified. We said yes, and God used our yes. Now we're doing stuff. We'll share with you tomorrow about the orphanage in the Philippines. It's unbelievable. It's humbling. I don't understand it. I wake up every day and thinking I'm going to wake up from a seven-year dream I've been in. It amazes me when I get on Facebook and I see all the comments and the thousands of people that are going, man, it's changed my life. It's touched me. Not Isaiah, but the word of God through me. And it's mind-blowing. But can you imagine be preaching for a hundred years and the only people that get saved are your family. Nobody responded to Noah's altar calls. Nobody liked Noah's preaching. He's working and preaching for a hundred years. What was his motivating? What was his drive? His drive was this, that I am so convicted that God has spoke to me, that I am so convicted that what I'm saying is true because it's in the word of God, that it doesn't matter if they laugh at me. It doesn't matter if they don't respond. I'm going to build the ark and they can come in and here's what the Bible says. And then it began to rain you know what the scary part about it is if it's raining it's too late for you to get in the ark can you can you just imagine this Noah's preaching no one listens to him a hundred years go by 
and all of a sudden you're laughing and you're, you're talking about him. Man, that dude Noah is nuts, man. He's out there preaching, shouting, he's all sweaty. He's building that ark that nobody even knows what it is. Nobody knows how he's building it. He says he's going to put all these animals in the ark. This dude has come. He has lost it. He's an occult leader. He's just completely lost it. And all of a sudden you look down and you're eating and what was that? Is that water? Is that rain? And you begin to realize that it's too late for you to respond now. See, some of you, you're going to try to respond after the rain comes. And guess what? God says you have to respond before the rain to be saved from the rain. And they're all running to Noah. And the scariest verse, I'm about to close here if I could get the worship team up. One of the scariest verses in the entire Bible, it says, and God closed the door behind Noah's family. Friend, do you understand that right now we are living in an hour where God is closing the door to the ark? The Bible says that there is going to come a day where you stand before God and the door will be closed on you. And the Bible says, and they will be outside knocking on the door. And here's what they're going to be saying. They're going to be saying, Jesus, we ate with you. We drank with you. You taught in our services. You came to our church. We, and he's going to say depart I don't know you in other words you waited too long to knock on the door from there is an opportunity right now for you to say I'm getting in the ark I'm bringing my family in the ark I'm going to survive this storm because here's a day after 40 days and 40 nights the Bible says and there was eight people and the storm ended friend if you're in a storm tonight guess what the storm is coming to an end the storm could only last for so long but God is trying to make this place an ark and a refuge for those that are in darkness and sin. Now, no one never said that you had to get right to get in the ark. No one never said, all right, if you cuss, there's no room for you in the ark. If you drink, there's no room for you in the ark. Turns out the people that God used, that he brought in the ark, that he called, that he anointed, were those that were drinking, those, those that were parting. Why? Because the religious church wanted nothing to do with them. Because religion didn't want him. They didn't want the move of God. So Jesus said, I'm going to go to the broken. I'm going to go to the hurting. I'm going to go to the lost. I'm going to go to the abused. Tonight I have a word for you. If you feel beat down and broken, you're who he's looking for. If you've been struggling, you're who he's looking for. It's time everyone stand to their feet tonight. It's time to make a decision. It's time to make a choice. Am I going to be inside the ark or outside the ark when the storm hits? Am I going to be inside the ark or outside the ark? Am I going to be a place of refuge? Am I going to labor? Here's the deal. We cannot build this ark without you. We cannot do what God has called us to do without you. You have to get involved. You can't just sit back and think that it's just going to happen no it takes us prayer team every eye closed prayer team help me come up here every eye closed prayer team come up here come up here every eye closed I feel the urgency I feel the urgency come on just line up prayer team just line up right here prayer team thank you so much perfect just line up and look at the crowd just line up here every eye closed as in the days of Noah so will the second coming of the son of man be friend I could go on another hour and tell you about the signs the wonders and the fact that we are living in the last days. Me and my wife talk about it, and we joke sometimes about it. Like when I leave, I'm just like, all right, honey, I'll see you in heaven, because I don't know what will happen. But it's not a joke, friend. There's a real time coming where the trumpet's going to sound, and the Lord's going to come back for a bride, the Bible says. 
not a bride that's in adultery, not a bride in fornication, not a bride in disobedience, but a bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. And you're going to have to make a real decision tonight. Am I going to be in the ark or out of the ark? Some of you are out of the ark right now. Some of you are dabbling. There's no sin allowed in the ark. What is the ark? The ark is Christ. The ark is the covering of God. God's saying tonight that there's an opportunity to get rid of your sin. There's an opportunity to get healed in your body. Friends, some of you are in a storm right now, and maybe it's been 40 days, but God says at some point your boat's going to land, and your storm is going to end tonight if you're in this room. And anything I said moved you. You said, you know, Isaiah, i got to get right tonight. I'm not doing it just for salvation. Yes, if you need to get saved, we'll lead you. You can come up here. We'll pray with you. We'll lay hands on you. We'll tell you that it's going to cost you everything. But if you're just out there, and you're a believer, and you just say, Isaiah, I want to be awake. I don't want to be asleep when the storm comes. I don't want to be asleep in times of calamity, but I want to have my eyes open. I want to be passionate. I don't want to be complacent, apathetic. I want to respond to this tonight. I want to be in the ark and come forward right now. If that's you, just come forward right now. That should be every one of us. Come forward. Come on, come forward and just squeeze in this altar. Come on. If you say, Isaiah, I want to be in the ark tonight. Come on, tonight. You just come forward. Prayer team, just start laying hands on people. Prayer team, you don't have to do it organized. You can just start laying hands. We want to pray for you. Come to this altar. Make your way up here. Make your way up here. There's plenty of room right here in the middle. Just squeeze in right now. This is an ark tonight. We are building an ark tonight. You got to get in tonight. Find a place. Find a place in the ark. Find a place in the ark. We're going to pray. We're going to repent of our sins. We're going to believe God. God, we need to warn people. God, we need to preach your word. God, give us an urgency in the hour tonight. Father, make us aware. Have mercy on this nation, God. Squeeze in tonight. Squeeze in tonight. Just begin to ask him tonight. Father, we love you so much, God. Father, we need your presence in our life, God. The door of the ark is closing, the Lord says. The door of the ark is closing. It's time to get inside. Who knows if I have a week? Who knows if you have two weeks? You're not going to have time to go inside and pack. You'll be taken up in a blink of an eye. Father, make us ready tonight. Come on, make that your prayer. Make us ready tonight, God. Me included, God. Let us take this serious tonight, God. Prayer team, just help me pray. If you're out here and you're not getting prayer, just begin to repent of your sins. Begin to talk to God. Begin to say, God, close your eyes. Don't worry about no one else. Just say, God, I need to get right with you tonight. For this whole weekend, we're going to be blowing the trumpet. We're going to be sounding the alarm. This is the hour that we live in. This is the moment right now to get in the ark. Come on, tonight's your night. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.